Hey there, and welcome to the One Church Podcast. This message was recorded live at one of our services. If you'd like to know more about life at One Church, visit us online at weareone.church or check us out on social media. Or you have your Bible, then maybe open to Ephesians 6, because that's where we're at now. Round of applause for Mike, please. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Liam and John at the back, do, do we have my uh, scriptures for today? Just checking. Okay, just while well, you're hopefully making sure my scripture, it's only the Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 to 17. Fantastic. I'm going to be preaching from that today, but before I get there, I need to tell you a little story. Um, uh, actually, before I even do that, thank you, Esther, for just leading us there in that. You know, worship's great when, when it benefits us, but when it benefits us and then gets us to look outward, into the world, I think that we've hit a high there, and that was fantastic. So thank you for leading us in that. Um, a few years ago, well, you know, uh, you may know that I, I've I've been to Egypt a few times with one church doing ministry out in, in just outside of Cairo, and the last time that I went, I was really annoyed with this. Embarrassed, embarrassed, slightly, I'm slightly embarrassed, very annoyed. Um, Magdi and Ahmed are they? They're actually Egyptians, but they live in England. Uh, and they take us there. But then when we were there, they wanted to see family, so they weren't coming home again. So the idea was that they would drop me at Cairo Airport, and I would make my own way home. So I'm very much on my own. And you have to know, Cairo Airport is like Heathrow on steroids. It's just an insane airport, okay? Just the, the thousands. It was only 9 o'clock in the morning, but you couldn't move for the amount of people there, cars honking horns, the whole thing. It's like you imagine Cairo to be in an airport. And, and so Ahmed and Magdi dropped me off outside of the airport. Say, oh, just go through there, go through there, and you'll be in. You'll be fine. Right, okay then. So I've got my bag, and I'm kind of like, you know, an obviously an English, um, you know, they would think tourist, kind of English white man in, in, this, in this throng of chaos. And uh, so I make my way to the main doors of the front of Cairo Airport, and I'm kind of looking for where I need to go in, but everything's in, 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 uh, in uh, yeah, uh, yeah, what's the language though? It's um, Arabic, Ar- Aramaic, no, not Aramaic, Arabic, Arabic. Everything's in Arabic, so it's just squiggles and lines. So you're trying to figure out what means departure, what means arrivals, you know, but in... And so anyway, I, I, I'm fine with it. And there are, there are staff members, ushers, I guess, porters or something, kind of stationed along the front doors of the airport. And one clocks me and immediately comes to me and says, I help you, I help you. Right? Oh, great, thank you. Because I'm like, I do not know where I'm going and what I'm doing. I help you get through very fast. <laughs> I was like, okay. <laughs> I help you get past customs. You don't have to worry. I, I'll take you around the back. I said, yes. I entirely. Was, this is why it's a little embarrassing. I was entirely taken in. Entirely taken in by this lovely Egyptian man who was very helpful. So helpful that I was entirely taken in by it. And I was like, okay. So I find myself going through doors that you would not ordinarily go through in this airport. I'm going, I, I, I missed the whole thing where you have to put your bags through. 
I went right past that. <laughs> and I find myself behind all of that in the kind of now into the departure lounge now um, because this guy kind of helped me. I know. I know. And then it dawned on me when he said, 20? You give me 20? You give me 30? You give me 30? You give me... on my own but this was a this was a con this was a scam they are scamming people from the front door through to the departure lounge by helping you by saying if if you follow me through that door over there and I'll get you round it all and all you have to do is give me 20 give me 30 you know of of their monies which is is, is very similar to the value of our money so you're talking 20 30 quid and I'm stuck there now and I, I have no other option but to hand over my money because he will not let me go any further at that point. So I give him 20. And I get through, and I am just like, oh, what an idiot. Why did I do that? Why didn't I stand my ground at the beginning and say, no, 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 I don't need any help. I'll make my way through. Thank you very much. I should have stood my ground. But I fell for the scam. I know. I, I'm being very vulnerable with you this morning. I have been, has anybody else ever been scammed or ever, okay, there's a few hands. Thank you for not making me feel entirely on my own. If you've ever been conned, if you've ever bought into something, you thought it was going to be brilliant and then it wasn't. I was utterly scammed at that airport and lost about 20 quid. I know, that I did not get a receipt that I could claim on one trip. Get that back on expenses, yeah. Uh, (coughs) Scammed at the airport for 20 quid. Um, There you go. I was conned, I was I had that feeling of being annoyed with myself, being gutted, and at the same time, slightly proud of the fact that I just got through all of that, and they're all still (laughs) queuing outside, slightly. (laughs) Um, I tell you what, though, you wonder how they get bombs on planes. I can tell you how they do it. There we go. Right. Now, um, well, maybe, maybe. It does make you think. It does make you think. It makes you think, man, the security in some other places is not quite like it is in England. Let's say it that way. Okay. <laughs> uh, one of the, um, I don't know if you've ever been conned before, but there, there are so many out, aren't there? There's like Virgin Media texts. I don't know if you've had those. You get a text from Virgin Media claiming to be Virgin Media, but it's not really Virgin Media. I've had loads of those. I've never followed them, thankfully. Emails, emails promising large inheritances, you know. Oh, you know, I just need your bank account number, but I've got a million pounds to give you, you know, like scams like that. Perhaps you're really good at recognizing cons. Perhaps you're a bit better than I was when I was in Egypt. One of the greatest scammers of all time is a guy by the name of George Parker. I don't know if you've heard of George Parker. He was a, a New York Irishman, okay, who was, had the real gift of the gab. And he sold, get this, he sold the Statue of Liberty and the Brooklyn Bridge several times over. <laughs> several times he sold both of those. That's a scammer. That is a scammer. He, was only, well, he wasn't actually caught, but they found out that he was doing it 
when one of these people that bought the Brooklyn Bridge of them, they, they so believed they now own the Brooklyn Bridge that they turned up and started to erect toll booths on the Brooklyn Bridge and the police realized what was happening, intervened and said, what are you doing? They said, we're setting up toll booths. This is our bridge. We're going to charge people to go through this bridge now. And the police realized they'd been scammed and conned into buying the Brooklyn Bridge. But when they arrived at George Parker's office, there was no more office and he was nowhere to be found. And that's why he's one of the, the greatest con artists of all time. Uh, another guy uh, called Victor, Victor Lusting, managed to sell the Eiffel Tower twice. <laughs> he managed to sell it twice. I know it's impressive. This is it's incredible. Con artists, scam artists, like the ones in Cairo Airport, like these guys, they take advantage of people who are unaware. Yeah, they take advantage of people that are unaware that the scam even exists. And so for George Parker, for example, he would wait on the harbor in New York for people to, who were emigrating into America and they were unaware. And then he'd build a relationship with them and then he would, and then he would sell the Brooklyn Bridge, you see? So he would catch people on it. They caught me on the entry into Cairo Airport when I, I was unaware that these guys were scam artists. I thought that they were the, the they were genuine staff members of the airport. They catch you unaware. A and what we're going to read today in the Bible is Ephesians 6. And I think Paul is trying to help us Christians not be unaware that there's an even greater scam artist out there. There's an even greater con artist out there. And if we're not aware of him, if we're not aware of what's going on, we could be so easily lured into buying what we think is the Eiffel Tower and ends up being nothing. We could end up being conned into investing our time and energy into something that appears to be the right thing and yet isn't. We can appear to be buying the Brooklyn Bridge, but what we're actually getting is conned. That's what we're going to read today. Okay, let's go for it. It's we're going to walk through it as well, verse by verse today. Ephesians chapter 6, we're going to go through verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes, scams, cons. <laughs> okay? For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the gospel of peace with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith which you, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Okay, I think that's it. Yeah, okay. We're going to work through this one verse at a time today and just dig into what that means and how it can help us because I don't want to be scammed again. I want to be conned again. I don't want to be feel. I don't want to get. I mean, that took about that. That con took about fifteen minutes. But I don't want to get to the end of my life and then look back and realize 
all. I was led down the garden path. I was scammed. Yeah? And, and, and that's what Paul wants to help us to get this morning. Okay, it says firstly, be strong. Say strong. strong. Say it stronger than that. Say strong. strong. Oh, come on, be strong. Be strong. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. That's the power we've just been singing about in that wonderful song. If there is something that we're going to need to be strong in in this world, it's being with the Lord, being with Jesus. That's where we need to be strong. If we're going to be strong anywhere, be strong in Jesus. If we allow ourselves to be weak in Jesus, then we're probably going to be weak everywhere, or at least vulnerable. You see, we desperately need his help. We need him every day. Our own strength will not be enough. Our own wisdom will not be enough. Our own efforts will not be enough. I need Jesus every day. I need him every hour. I need to be strong in my devotion to Jesus so that I'll not get scammed. I just imagine for a moment that, <laughs> that Magdi or Ahmed, one of, the, one of my Egyptian friends that was with, imagine they'd not dropped me off at the airport and that they'd actually come with me on the journey for a minute. Imagine Magdi had come with me on the journey. I need to explain to you, Magdi's a very large, intimidating presence of an Egyptian man. He's a gentleman, but he's very, very big. If I had walked into Cairo Airport with Magdi, I would not have been scammed. Magdi would have known exactly where to go and what to do and who to watch out for and who to ignore. And he would have guided me through that process. I would not have had an issue if Magdi had been at my side. But Magdi was not at my side. I was little Michael Williams on his own <laughs> in the middle of Cairo. Michael Williams. I needed a Magdi. Yeah. And I think this, this is an analogy for us in life, is if we think we can do this without Jesus, it's okay to just have a belief in him, and that's where it ends. If we're not in a devotional walk with the Lord, if we're not strong in there, if we're not strong in his presence, if we're not strong in his word, if we're not strong in... In, in our commitment to make sure we walk it with him, hand in hand, day by day, we may arrive at places where he's not walking it with us and makes us just way more vulnerable to being scammed, makes us way more vulnerable to fall into temptation. It makes us way more vulnerable to buying something that's not the right thing for us because he's not there with us to go, oh, you don't actually want to do that. You actually want to go here, yeah? And I know we say this lots at One Church, and, and, and it is important that you have your own relationship with God that isn't just the church. If, if this is all that it is for you as, as a Christian, is, is what you get on a Sunday morning. It's, it's good, but it's, it's, it's not enough. You, you, you need your own daily uh, commitment to the Lord. You need to, to be walking with him personally like it's just you and Jesus. You need your own space with him. You need a chair in your house that's your chair with Jesus. You know, you need a a space where you're strong with him. And then this is the icing on the cake, this. This is the praise. This is what flows out of that. But, but you, need a, you need to prioritize Jesus in your own life, in your own week. And go, where can I find a space, a moment, a time where I can just invite Jesus in? 
Maybe I can put on the worship music that we listen to here or sing here. Maybe I can open up my Bible app and I can begin to. Maybe I can pray for a few moments and just maybe sit silently with the Lord and just say, God, what do you want to say to me? And and listen to him. And, And as I cultivate those disciplines and as I involve him in my day, as I involve him in my week, actually what I'm doing is I'm being strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. I'm inviting the spirit in. I'm inviting his presence in. I'm, I'm being shaped and molded by him. I'm being strengthened by him for the day. I'm, being, I'm keeping my eyes open and alert. I'm, I'm looking to involve Jesus in every decision, in everything. That's what it means to be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Does that make sense? Just to practically break it down, that's what it means. If I'm weak there, I'll be weak everywhere. If I'm weak there, I'll be weak everywhere. I'll be vulnerable. So I want to be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. I want to be strong there. I want to be really strong in that. And, and strong gives us this kind of idea of determination, doesn't it? It gives us this kind of picture of being, making that the thing that you really exercise in the most. It's the thing that you, you build muscle in. I want to build muscle there so that I'm not weak when the moment comes and I find myself on my own. That's ultimately how we overcome the enemy. We don't overcome the enemy by outwitting him and outgritting him in our own strength. We overcome the enemy by making sure we're walking with Jesus. Like Magda walking with me through that airport. I did not overcome because I was on my own. Then it says, put on the full armor so that you may be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. Interestingly, that word stand firm, I think it happens three or four times in this whole passage. It says stand, stand firm, stand. It doesn't say advance. This whole passage is not about advancing on the enemy and taking his ground, actually. This whole passage is said, just stand. Don't let yourself go back. Stand, be a fortress in Christ, in Jesus. Stand firm when you're offered a con. When you're offered a con. Interesting. We're going to pick up on that in a moment. But stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. Strategies. The enemy of your soul, the enemy of our souls is trying to figure out today, he's scratching his brain, and he's trying to figure out ways to take you out of the place of faith. You know, how can I get Liam out of the place of faith? What was going to work? What strategy would I use if I was the devil to get Liam out of the place of faith? And he's thinking about that, and he's planning that. He's got a strategy for that. He's got a scheme. He's got a scam. He's got an offer. He's got a way of of approaching Liam. But listen, he's got one for Sophie too. He's got, how can I get Sophie out of the place of faith? How can I get Ali out of the place of faith? How can I get Tara out of the place of faith? I've got a scheme and I'm going to outwork that scheme and they're not even going to know it because they can't see it. But I'm going to scheme. And listen, whether it takes a minute or 20 years, it doesn't matter to the devil. It doesn't matter. If I can, I'm going to work a scheme on you I've got a plan that's going to work on your weakness. I've got a plan that's going to work on your insecurity. I've got a plan that's going to work on your areas of temptation where you're weak. I've got a plan that's going to work around your fears and your worries. 
a scheme. And I know if I use that scheme, it's to say this is the enemy. And Paul is saying to us, you better be aware. You better be aware that there's a scheme, a scammer. He doesn't want you in the place of faith. He doesn't want you to be hearing from God. He doesn't want you to be walking in trust and in faith. He doesn't want you to be doing fun days that are actually more than fun days. They're actually taking the enemies down. He doesn't want you to take his life. He doesn't want you to succeed. He doesn't want you to win in that. He doesn't want you to be a fruitful Christian. He doesn't want you to tell others about him, about Jesus. He wants to get you out of the place of faith. He wants to nullify the effect of your life. He wants to nullify the influence in your life. He wants to make your life count for little. That's what he wants to do. And that's what Paul's telling us. He's saying he want, he, he's got a scheme. And if you're going to survive this, if you're going to stand firm and not allow that scheme to work in your life, you're going to need to put some armor on. You need to put some armor on. You need to dress for this. You're going to need to dress for this. Okay? Uh, uh, just imagine for a moment that we're out on a battlefield in, I don't know, World War One, for example. And there's bullets flying everywhere. And you run out there in shorts and a t-shirt. <laughs> I mean, that's just not going to last long. Right? Imagine you're at in the Roman Empire, which is where Paul is writing from. And he's, what during the writing of the book of Ephesians, most scholars think that he was at this point permanently with Roman soldiers, either in prison or on a journey from prison to prison or a place to place. And he would have at many times in this period been actually shackled to a Roman soldier. Okay? So when Paul's writing this, it's probably because he sat there one day and he's looking at the Roman soldier next to him and his armor and he's thinking, do you know what? There's a preach in that. <laughs> That's what's going on here. There's a preach in that. There's a, I, I need some of that armor. And he's beginning, he's making him picture it, can't you? You can picture his imagination going. He's going, you know what? If, if I go out on the battlefield of ministry, if I go out for Jesus in this, into this world, I'm going to need some armor. So, so that's what's going on here. I'm not going to go out with shorts and a t-shirt. I need to be prepared, alert, and aware of what is going on. I'm going to need some armor. Okay. Then it says, for we are not, uh, next, next slide, please. Oh, no, there it was. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood, but, and we'll pause there, we're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. That means this. Our fight as Christians is not with people. That's not our fight. Sometimes it might feel like it is. Because the enemy uses people. <laughs> Many of our obstructions in life, our opposition in life, our enemies in life, our difficulties in life are as a result of our interactions with flesh and blood. People. And if we believe that that's all that that is, what can happen is we can get anti-people, angry at people, bitter towards people, resentful towards people, mistrusting towards people. And suddenly we can actually think the battle is me against everybody else and me against the world. And we can, uh, But listen, if we understand that actually people aren't the problem, but there's a spirit 
spirit going on in the world that's influencing people, then I don't get so upset with the person because I know what's, what's behind it. That's what I'm upset with. That's what I'm angry at. That's what I don't like. That's what I resent. I resent the devil. I resent the one who sowed the seeds that caused that person to behave in that way to me. But I don't, I can forgive the person. Does that make sense? So it's really important. Paul's saying, look, your battle isn't with people. Your battle is with a, something bigger than that, something beyond that, something deeper than that, something above that, something that's going on that's in the unseen realm. And, and we need to be really aware of this unseen realm. And then he explains it. He says to us, but it's rather it's against evil rulers and authorities in the unseen world. There you go. I mean, uh, it would take me all day long to, to explain the unseen world, but... But you need to know that what you can see in the world is not all there is. But there's a spiritual existence, a, an existence that goes beyond sight. God is spirit. That means you can't see God. Okay? The you, 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 Bible says in Colossians, no one has seen God and no one ever will. The only way we get to see God is in Jesus Christ who took on form, who took on body. Okay? You can see Jesus and in Jesus you see God. But you can't see God because God exists as a spirit. It's a... And it, altogether superior kind of existence not limited to the to the bodies that we have that's how god exists and he's unseen and so there's a whole realm of creation and there's a whole realm of existence that is spiritual too and unseen but nevertheless no less real is that you follow there's an unseen world and, and Paul is saying that's we're at war with, we're at battle with some stuff that's going on in the spiritual world that becomes only becomes visible when it takes a body, <laughs> when it takes on a person, when, when you begin to see it outworking in the, the morality of the world or in the things people say or in the politics of the world or the power trips of the world. Then you begin to see it, but, but there's something behind all of that that lives in the spiritual world, and that's what we're at war with. He says, we're uh, evil rulers and authorities in the unseen world against mighty powers in this dark world. So that's talking about here now. He's saying there's, there are dark powers at work within the world we live in. And then it says, evil spirits in the heavenly places. Put all that together and we are fighting against an evil or an easily motivated, spiritually existing force. There you go. There's a mouthful. Just think about that for a moment. And evilly motivated. Evilly motivated. Doesn't matter, it's just going to be a pointy idea. An evilly motivated but spiritually existing force at work in the world. And it influences the people of this world, and the world does not always recognize it. So there are some things that happen in the world that the world is doing that the world thinks is fine and doesn't realize is being motivated by something else. Something darker. Okay. Um, just for a moment, let's pause on that thought of evil. What is evil? The dictionary definition of evil is to be profoundly immoral or wicked. Profoundly immoral or wicked. I want you to imagine for a moment this. You and I have a probably experiences of doing the wrong things, wanting the wrong things, desiring the wrong things. We have a a sense in which we're battling with our own personal evil. But we also know how to do good, don't we? You and I know how to be good and how to do good. 
we are a mixture, like the tree in the Garden of Eden, of the knowledge of the good and evil. But I want you to imagine for a moment you had no good in you whatsoever. Imagine for a moment every scrap of good was taken from you. You had no light, no mercy, no compassion, no love, nothing good. And all of your motivation and all of your thoughts and all of your behavior and all of your desires were entirely consumed with evil and darkness. Such that you could see wicked and evil things happen and applaud them and love them. Imagine that. Just, you have to just put your brain there and just imagine it for a moment. That's where the devil is. And that's where those that are with him are. There is no good, no light, no love. It's the absence of all moral goodness. The absence of any ethical, dis- the, the absence. So, so listen, that's the force that's at work trying to deceive the world. Evilly motivated spiritual forces in the unseen world. And Paul is saying, I know this is quite heavy, but Paul is saying, as Christians, we that's what we're at war with. That's what we're battling. Okay. And their primary weapon is deception. The primary weapon of the enemy is deception. That means this. He wants to get you to believe the wrong things. He wants to get you to believe all the wrong things about yourself wants to get you to believe all the wrong things about the world, to get you to believe the wrong things about everything, to see everything through a deceived eye, that's his primary weapon. If he can get you to see everything the wrong way, he's won. So Paul is saying, you've got to arm yourself here. You've got to be strong in the Lord. And you've got to put some armor on because there's a scam artist who's trying to deceive you and get you to see. You, you will think you're buying the Eiffel Tower. And if you watch our culture, and if you watch what what is being sold to our kids, if you watch the way the world is, the promise is happiness, life. If you just do X, Y, and Z, you will be fulfilled. And and you will be, and and listen, it's the Eiffel Tower. But it's not, (laughs) because it doesn't work. So this is is what we're up against, okay? So dress ready for battle. I'm going to really zip through these now. Put on every piece of God's armor so that you'll be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. By the way, the word resist there. What's the opposite of resisting? Conforming. You either resist. You know, oh, that's, I, I recognize that's, that's not from God. That's not of the kingdom of God. That's not Jesus. That's not light. That's not good. There's, it looks like it might be, but I'm going to resist it rather than conform to it. And the temptation for Christians is to hear what the world says and conform. But there are some things we conform to that actually we probably need to resist. Actually, I'm not going to conform to that. I'm going to resist that. And that's what, that's what Paul is saying just there. Okay. So stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth. The belt of truth. So he's looking at this Roman soldier next to him, and he's looking at his armor, and he's beginning to pick out pieces and go, oh, I wonder what that one could represent. I wonder what that one could represent. And he picks on the belt. Now, Roman belts aren't like our belts. Actually, Roman belts, what's really interesting when you look into this, Roman belts were like customizable, a bit like um, it, was the, it was the one piece of armor that, that the Roman soldiers could do what they wanted with, and they could customize it and upgrade it. And so they would show off to the other soldiers because they had... <laughs> more things on there literally i promise you it was like a it was like a, it was like a fashion statement it was like a fashion statement 
So you may have seen it in the movies, but imagine a belt with some kind of like long um, strips hanging down at the front, and those strips would have kind of medals on them or sorts of things on them, and, and they would they would kind of yeah they would they would you know look at mine mine's an <laughs> mine's an apple belt yeah mine's an apple belt look at that so they would customize it and they would. Uh, but also, the belt was a place that the sword sat. So the sword sat inside the belt, okay? It had like a, a place to put the, belt, to, to put the sword. Um, but what scholars really say about the belt of truth, they say this is most likely Paul's reference to the belt of truth was linked to personal integrity, otherwise being a person of the truth. That if you're free, if you're in the truth, you're free. But if you're harboring deceit, untrustworthy, um, that, you know, lies, etc. that hampers you, but your integrity will protect you on the day of evil. So scholars are saying, stay in the light, stay in the truth, wear the belt of truth, stay in integrity, and that will protect you on the day of evil. Whereas if you aren't in truth, then, then you are hampered at every turn, really. So, so wear the belt of truth, be a person of integrity, and that is part of your armor as a Christian. Your integrity goes before you. Do you know that? In the world, when people know you to be an integrous person, it goes before you and it actually protects you and it actually gives you favor and it actually helps you in the world. So Paul is saying, oh, that's a really important part of the armor that you're going to need to walk about. So be strong in the Lord and be strong in integrity. The next piece of armor is the body armor of God's righteousness. This is the big thing that protects your body. Okay? And you may again have seen in the Roman army, they wore quite, quite lavish, big uh, breastplates, really. Uh, and those breastplates, they, what do they protect? They protect the heart. They protect the, the vital organs of your body, don't they? They protect the vital organs of your body. And, and Paul is looking at that. I'm sure he's looking at the soldier next to him and saying, what protects the heart for the Christian? What would I need to wear? Well, I, I need to protect my heart with, with, with righteousness. I need to protect my heart with righteousness. I'm not going to let unrighteousness steal my affections away from Christ. I'm not going to let my heart become desensitized to sin by the world. I'm going to keep a righteousness about my life, a purity about my life. I'm going to keep a, a righteousness about my motivations, a righteousness about my desires. I'm going to keep a righteousness, and that righteousness is going to protect me when the day comes. It's going to protect me. A righteous, a righteous heart, listen to this, a righteous heart knows how to spot a fake a mile away. The reason they can spot fake notes in banks is because they deal with them all the time, don't they? So they're aware. And they've got their kind of, um, they're sensitive to it. And a righteous heart is sensitive. And when an offer comes along, when a temptation comes along, when a scam comes along, a righteous heart can easily determine what's real and what's fake. But a desensitized heart can't. Okay, just like you and I can't tell sometimes whether something is real or fake. So Paul is saying, belt of truth, armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you'll be fully prepared. This could mean one of two things. It could mean a readiness to share the good news with others, but I think it probably means, really, it's talking about having a sure footing in your own security in the gospel. It means knowing and knowing it and knowing it and knowing it that I am forgiven and justified and secure so that when the enemy comes along and says, no, you're not, and you're not good enough, and you're guilty, and you're this, and you're that, you have such a security in the gospel, you know, no, I am justified, I am forgiven, 
I am at peace with God. I am clean. I am staying my ground. You're not going to knock me over on this one anymore. You're not going to knock me over on this one. It's about being sure-footed. You are at peace and not thrust into doubt and insecurity every time the enemy whispers in your ear a particular defeat or a particular weakness or particular failure. You're like, I'm going to put my shoes of the gospel of peace on. I tell you, I'm at peace with God. I'm justified. I'm right with God. I'm forgiven. Does that make sense? It's a good piece of armor. Then he says this, uh, uh, in addition to all these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery, arrow, uh, fiery arrows of the animal, uh, enemy. Animal, enemy. Arrows do two things. Ar- arrows would penetrate, but arrows also would set things alight. So they would, they would light fire to the arrows and shoot them. And so, the, um, so the, the shield would be coated with a layer of leather. And the leather would have this effect of, of putting the flame out when it hit. It was a really cool invention, isn't it? Uh, and so Paul's saying you need a, a shield like that, a, a shield that can put the fires out before they've started, yeah, and can stop penetrating the heart. So he'd talk about this ability of the shield can both deflect and extinguish the flame. That's what faith does. Faith deflects the arrow. It deflects it. It deflects it. It deflects it. So when the word comes to you from the enemy, the scam comes to you, the lie comes to you, you don't then grapple with that lie and say, oh, no. Is it true? Is it true? Is it true? You deflect it. You deflect it. You deflect it by faith. You don't absorb it. You don't meditate on it. You don't let it penetrate. You don't let it set up fire to your mind and your soul and your heart. You deflect and deflect it by faith. I'm not, re- I'm not even accepting that. I resist that. I'm, I'm holding up faith here because I know what God says about me. So you deflect and you deflect with the shield of faith. Any words come your way, any disappointments come your way, any doubts come your way, any fears temptations to selfishness you have to say i believe what god says and i trust his hand and i trust his heart in my life and i believe i am in his hands and i deflect and i'm not going to let that set fire to my mind this week i'm not going to set fire to my soul this week i deflect by faith finally it says put on salvation as your helmet protect your mind with the hope of your salvation protect your mind that's what a helmet does it protects your brain (laughs) okay and there's a sense in which you need to protect your mind. And the way we protect our mind is with the hope of our salvation. What does that mean? It, mean, it means having a, a, scholars would say it this way, have an eschatological focus. All right? I'll put it a different way. I'll put it a different way. Have such a confidence in what God has said about your future that no matter what's happening in the present, it doesn't discourage or disappoint or distract you. That's what that means. That's important. That's the salvation, helmet of salvation. I know where I'm going. You, I know, you might point out where I am, but I can tell you where I'm going. I know where I'm going. I've got hope. I've got hope. You keep pointing out where I am today. I don't care where I am today because I know where I'm going. And you just keep your hope in my salvation. I am saved. I'm heading to heaven. I'm ultimately going to be victorious in that. Protect your mind. And lastly, it says, take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. This is the only offensive weapon in this, in this kit. So Paul sat there with his Roman soldier next to him. He's looking at him. He's, he's gone through his armor, and then he sees the sword. Yeah, that's that. The sword is the word of God. The sword 
is the ability to declare God's word, which ultimately shuts the mouth of the enemy and brings his strategies to failure. Remember when Jesus was in the desert being tempted and the enemy had a scheme against Jesus and he said he gave him those temptations, didn't he? And Jesus kept responding with the word of God. It exposed his scheme, it exposed the lie, and it brought the truth out, and the enemy's scheme came to nothing. Use the word of God. It's really helpful to memorize it. It's helpful to carry it around with you. It's helpful to read it regularly so that it gets into your spirit, so that when the moment comes, you've got the word of God with you. Okay, I've just walked us through Ephesians chapter 6. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. What have we got to do? Be strong. Be strong there. Be strong there. Why? Because if we're, if we're not strong there, we're weak, we're vulnerable to the schemes of the enemy. The enemy has some schemes. And they're evilly motivated schemes to try and deceive us and to nullify our faith and to take us out of the place of faith. But if we can set up every day, rather than going out into the battlefield with shorts and a t-shirt, if we can put some armor on, if we can begin like, like Paul did to think, do you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to guard my heart with righteousness. I'm going to guard my mind with the truth. I'm going to put on the belt of truth with my integrity. I'm going to walk out into the battlefield. I'm going to be aware of what, where the traps are. We've got a chance of being able to stand firm and to overcome. Cool with that? Come on, let's pray. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your word. Thank you for this chapter. Thank you for Paul's imagination that, Lord, as he sat with a soldier somewhere, in Europe 2,000 years ago, he came up with some pictures that would help us today. Lord, we desperately don't want to leave the place of faith. We want to advance. We want to be fruitful. We want to be healthy. We want to overcome. We want to buy into what you have for us. But Lord, we know that there are lies around us. There are schemes around us. And we just want to be really aware and alert, Lord. want to wear your armor daily and be strong in you. And I pray that as a church, Father, this morning we would renew our commitment to stand firm in our relationship with you. To stand firm in our walk with you. I just want to say to you this morning, that's, if the enemy can get you there, if he can take you out of that place, he's taking you. And this morning, I want to encourage you, challenge you, say, make a commitment to Jesus this morning to be strong there. I'm going to be strong there this week. I'm, 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 I'm going to turn the, the radio off and I'm going to put worship on this, this week. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a change this week so that it ensures I'm putting the armor on. I'm going to be more aware. I'm going to be more committed to dressing for the battle. Holy Spirit, help us, I pray. Help us to walk with you at our side. To walk with you at our side. I want to pray for anybody this morning, God, that maybe feels a little beaten up by the enemy.
Maybe they're feeling a little guilty. Maybe they're feeling like, oh, I'm not a good enough this and a good enough that. And this morning they would take their stand again and say, I'm, I'm not having any of that. I'm not believing that con anymore. I'm not believing that scam because it's not true. I'm loved, forgiven, secure, purposed. I'm a child of God. I'm ready to go. I'm going to take the enemy's camp. I'm going to use the name of Jesus. And I'm going to move forward from this day forward. Amen. Come on, let's worship together.